Hello, my name is Ethan Hewlin, and like you, I live in a world that never stops moving. And also like you, I have stories. These are my stories, the true stories of a tryhard. Welcome back to Two Stories of a Tryhard. I am Ethan Hewlin, and today I am joined by a very special guest who needs no introduction, but she's getting it anyway. She is one half of the YouTube channel Story Diver, uh, soon to be mom, and all around great human. Please welcome Jess. Jess, say hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> all right, so first off, Jess, uh, we're going to be discussing performance anxiety in this particular episode. So I'm going to off some facts and stats, and then we'll get into you our experiences with that. Perfect. So, um, performance anxiety is another one of the more common anxiety disorders. And like a lot of them, it's on a spectrum, which can raise from, you know, butterflies in your stomach to full on panic attacks. Uh, it affects 40% of the adults in the U.S. Um, it's also known as agoraphobia. Uh, can affect everyone from athletes to actors to office workers. 12% um, of people with performance anxiety would rather have someone else speak, which is surprisingly low in my opinion, but good for them. Uh, some symptoms, uh, you can have fast pulse and breathing, you can get a dry mouth and throat, you can have trembling hands, knees, lips, or voice, um, sweaty, cold hands, be nauseous, your vision, your vision can change. Basically, think about uh, the Eminem song, Lose Yourself, you know. Palms, palms are sweaty, I'm going to sweat already, mom's spaghetti, that sort of deal. Um, so, Jess, what is your experiences with performance anxiety? Um, so I definitely still suffer with performance anxiety, even though I film like three times a week. Every time the camera comes on, I just have a moment where I definitely just freeze up and need to take a minute to calm back down. It was really bad when I was in high school. Really, really bad. Like if I had to do a presentation, I'd get so sick. I'd end up start throwing up and shaking. I'd have fainting spells. I just couldn't imagine standing in front of a classroom of my peers and talking about stuff. What helped me a bit with it was when I started teaching diving and I had to stand in front of a class and teach people. And what helped with that is because I knew exactly what I was talking about. And it's something I was passionate about and I knew about it. But I, I still get nervous every time yeah. I have to teach a class. <laughs> like I still get the butterflies and shaking and I need to just take a couple of deep breaths before I can start. So it's definitely something that still affects me today. So can you go more into like what that felt like for you like just the whole experience of you're about to do something that you've been preparing for and you still think that you know somehow what how am i going to mess this up like what goes through your head what's happening in uh like with you on the inside like what's going on yeah so i'll take a like very common example so as i say i film 
about three times a week and for each of my videos I prepare a whiteboard and then I prepare a like word-for-word -word script so that I know exactly what I'm gonna say so you'd think with all that preparation I can just sit down and just get it done but I take it takes me about 10 minutes to set up the camera and everything and those 10 minutes I just get more and more anxious and I can feel my heart starting to race and I get a bit shaky and sweaty hands and then I always sit down in my chair and I just take a deep breath and just try and center myself and remember that at least with videos I can edit out the moments I stumble up on my words or that I forget what I'm saying or if something goes wrong I can remove it but that doesn't remove the stress of oh my god what if something goes wrong what if I say the wrong thing what if I stumble what if I stutter um, stuttering is a big thing for me I don't have a stutter but I'm always so scared I'm going to stutter that I end up stuttering from it um, so it always just takes me a minute to try and center myself and throughout the recording process I'm still nervous um, and so how I record my videos is I'll record a sentence or two at a time and then I take a break and I take a breath and recenter myself and start again so a lot of my videos that are only three or four minutes long I probably take about nine to twelve minutes to record them because I'm having to recenter myself each time and just calm myself down and calm those butterflies back down that's yeah, actually, as I've started this whole process of podcasting, I've definitely had my share of performance anxiety. Like, I've had to pause recording several times, even in the past two weeks, just so mm -hmm. I can kind of gather myself. Like, last week, it was a 20-minute episode, but it took me probably 45 minutes to get it all to record because I had to kind of console myself, take some deep breaths... That sort of thing. Yeah. So um, what has worked for you in helping with that? Um, so I've been seeing a psychologist because I've got a range of other issues on top of performance yeah. anxiety. Um, um, but I know a big part of my performance anxiety, for example, is ordering food at a restaurant. So that's not something a lot of people will struggle with, but I get really, really scared about saying the dish wrong and then I'll end up with the wrong food. And so one thing that's really helped me is my anxiety is linked to a lot of what happened to me in childhood. And so I talk to little Jess. So little Jess is that childhood aspect of my brain that's still scared of getting things wrong. And so I talk to myself like I would to a toddler and just say, it's okay if you need to take a minute. The waiter understands that some people struggle with ordering food and they're not going to judge you for it. So just take your time. And then I'll do the typical thing where as soon as I sit down, I pick my dish and then I spend five minutes just practicing saying it so that I can say it properly when they come. And I still mess it up every been there done that yeah 100 um, yeah but i think it's just teaching myself patience with myself like i would be patient with a friend of mine who struggles with it i'm trying to teach myself to be patient with myself about it and that it's okay if i mess up and people aren't going to attack me for messing up or judge me and it's human to stumble and to stutter and to mess up sentences so i'm trying to learn patience <laughs> Yeah, I've been fortunate enough that patience has never been something I've really had to struggle with. So, yeah, I kind of do the same thing you do where I didn't, I, I guess I could say I talk to little Ethan. Um, mm -hmm. But I found that um, meditation has really helped me. Like I meditate every night before I go to sleep. And that's something that I'll actually 
come back to in a different episode. So be on the lookout for that. Um, so I came across this quote that I think you might like. It's a quote by Henry Ford, and it says, Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, Well, that's a big thing for me that we've talked about with my therapist, because a big issue and kind of the root of my anxiety is as a child, no matter the decision I made, I always got in trouble for it, or it was always the wrong decision. And so it's kind of learning the fact that my decisions will be right because I've made them based on my own knowledge base. And even if they end up being the wrong decision, in the moment it was the right decision. So it's kind of like, again, yeah, learning that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to mess up and that's okay because it's a learning curve and it's something I can learn from and therefore improve in the future. So I really like that quote. How do you feel about the movie 8 Mile with Eminem and Anthony Mackie? Like, have you seen it? I haven't okay. seen it. No, well, I haven't uh, seen Eminem, it. <laughs> in the, probably one of his his better days, he he plays a rapper with performance anxiety, and that's um, that's something that's a movie that I would recommend to anyone who is um, a big time sufferer of performance anxiety because I definitely saw myself in his shoes um, because I have GAD. Uh, general anxiety disorder, which also can kind of bleed into other areas, and um, when I'm supposed mm-hmm. to you know, be, you know, on the stage, as it were, in whatever capacity, I do feel the butterflies, and sometimes it's a little bit worse than that, especially when I haven't prepared as much as I should. But <laughs> they're. Uh, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a, it's a process. Now, mm-hmm. a big, uh, big part of this particular podcast, at least the one that I want to make big, is stories. I mean, it's in the name after all. Like, is, is there a specific yeah. story that you can tell our listeners about? Um, I'm trying to think relating to performance anxiety. I mean, I guess kind of a success story. Yeah, go for it. Nice. Um, So as I said, in high school, I was terrible at presentations in class. And my biology teacher would always make us do presentations. We actually had a weekly um, thing. It was called Science Friday. And so every week we'd have to find a science article and then present it to the class, which obviously was horrible for me. And I hated it. And I tried to avoid it as much as I could. And I started to do it every week. And it was just the worst part of the week for me was Friday mornings because I knew I'd have to do a five-minute presentation every week. There was no escaping it. And then after high school, I went to the Seychelles to work in diving for six months. And I slowly noticed that I was getting better at talking to people, especially people I didn't know because these were diving clients that were changing just every day. So it didn't matter if I messed up because they wouldn't see me anymore so they couldn't judge me. And then when I came home from that trip, I went back to my school and my biology teacher asked if I could do a talk in front of some of his students about other options other than university and college. And I was really nervous because these were teenagers and everybody knows teenagers are quite judgmental. And I was back in that classroom setting. And so I said, I'll try it, but I may not be able to get it done. 
And so I went in and it was a Friday morning, funnily enough. So there was kind of that triggering aspect of Friday mornings in my biology classroom. And I went up and it was the smoothest talk I've ever done in that class. And I was so confident and I was having so much fun and I was riding up on the board and bouncing around. And afterwards, my teacher came up to me and he said, you've really, really changed and something about you has changed when you're in front of a crowd now. And I said, I still get nervous, but now I know that that's okay and everybody's nervous. And most of the time, the people I'm talking to are more nervous than I am because they know they need to pay attention and they need to be listening to me. And so there's that kind of aspect on their end of they really, really need to pay attention. So if I'm messing up, it's okay because they're so busy trying to remember what I've been saying. Um, So I still get very stressed, but I've learned to kind of manage it and just say you know what it's gonna happen whether I'm stressed or not I'm gonna mess up Um, and so for him I think that was a really big moment to see me go from four years of just crying basically every time I had to stand in front of a classroom to actually having fun and laughing and making jokes so that is amazing that is a great story yeah (laughs) so I uh, when I was younger was um I was always the shy kid I never really um it was always hard for me to make friends it was never easy for me to kind of put myself out there um so it was hard in kindergarten for me because um my mom was a stay-at-home mom when I was younger and so I hadn't really had a lot of social interaction beyond my family so going into curtain garden was uh, really bad for me but in late elementary school i joined the boy scouts a decision that i will always look back on fondly because in addition to you know the camping and um learning how to to whittle and going on hikes and seeing all these beautiful things The Boy Scouts teaches you leadership, and part of leadership is being able to speak in front of people, which I was never good at before then. But I think it's because of that that I'm a lot more confident going in front of people because I'm in a public speaking class at my college right now. And that, if you'd talk to um, an Ethan that hadn't joined the Boy Scouts yet, I'd be a lot more nervous for the speeches that we'd have to do because I just did one last week and I'm getting ready to do one next week. So while it is still a little bit scary, it is nowhere near as scary as I think it uh, it would be if I hadn't. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely heard a lot about Boy Scouts helping with all sorts of anxieties. I mean, my little brother is autistic and Boy Scouts is really the only way he learned how to socialize with people. So I think Boy Scouts is huge for people who have social issues or performance issues. Yeah, 100%. Uh, There were some homeschooled kids in my troop that, well, one that I'm thinking of, uh, he he really connected uh, with me and with the other guys, and, you know, we're still friends to this day. And um, I don't know if he's listening, but Nick, if you're listening, I am... Great. I'm glad to have you as a friend. Yay, Nick. <laughs> um, so, 
so another thing I've written down in my notes is uh, a positive mindset. Um, so mm-hmm. do you think that um, having a good visualization of what you're going to do beforehand will help? Or does it really matter? I, I definitely think visualization in anything, it doesn't, it's not just in, and blip, blip, there you go. <laughs> it's not just in anxiety. I think visualizing anything can really help it come true because by visualizing what you want to happen, you can kind of see the steps between where you are now and where you want to be. So definitely with like public speaking or even just recording this podcast, when I got up this morning, I had some time to just kind of think, how am I going to set myself up and what kind of stuff do I think I want to talk about? And I think that really helped kind of prepare me and it removed a lot of the stresses because by thinking about what I needed to prepare, I knew I had to make sure my laptop was fully charged. Whereas if I hadn't thought it through and then we start the call and my laptop is suddenly dead because it's out of battery, that would have been very stressful for the both of us. Um, so I definitely think visualization and in, in that sense also preparation can really help remove a lot of the anxiety related to stuff. Man, I have not gotten to talk to you, like, hear your voice really, and just you being here is just awesome. Yeah, we've never, like, actually had a face-to-face conversation. You're on the other side of the world. I mean, how is that, you know, how is that, like, ever going to happen? Unless... I know. Man, I am so glad that I joined the Discord so I could meet you and all those other amazing people that uh, I've been able to meet, uh, speaking of which... That is the Super Carlin Brothers Discord and the Bacon and Eggs Podcast mm-hmm. Discord. If you yep. ever have watched Super Carlin Brothers or listened to Bacon and Eggs, please join their Discord. You will not regret it. I can definitely agree. <laughs> so how have, uh, how have you and Ben um, been holding up with uh, with Little Bubble? Um, so Ben also has a lot of anxiety, which is great when you're expecting a baby when both parents have anxiety and freak out about everything. Um, so, well, we knew we wanted kids, uh, for years, pretty much since we got together. We got together very young, we're high school sweethearts. Um, and we always knew kids were kind of something that was going to happen at some point in our future. And so when we started kind of saying, okay, if it were to happen now then that's great so we weren't like actively trying but it was something we were thinking about I was already preparing myself in a lot of different ways so getting books to read and I listened to a lot of podcasts um, especially podcasts about like birth um, to kind of remove a lot of the anxiety around like that fear of birth and so kind of how we've been handling the idea of pregnancy birth and having a baby is just over preparation um, because that way we're kind of ready for anything and everything I'd rather know all the horrible stuff that can happen so that I'm ready for it and I can prepare for it rather than just be in a happy little bubble and then something happens if that pops the bubble um, so that's kind of how we've been handling it with our anxieties it's just a lot of research and talking to people who have had kids or who are about to have kids um, and I think just kind of accepting that a lot of stuff is out of your control and you just kind of have to just go with the flow a lot. 
Yeah, I, re I remember when uh, my mom was pregnant with my youngest sister. She was... Um, it was only her second kid that she's ever had. Like, it was only me and Micah. Um, but mm -hmm. my stepsister, Kayla, I mean, she she became her stepmom when she married my stepdad. And then my two other sisters are adopted. So this is this only the second time, and it had yeah. been 12 years since she'd had a kid. So wow. it was... Um, I know my mom will listen, so mom, if I'm misremembering, please tell me. But, <laughs> but um, she, it was kind of like going through. Um, uh, not sure how. I'm not sure how to describe it because I've never, you know, been in the situation, and I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what that is like because is not physically possible for me. Yeah. So. I definitely know I spend a lot of time on Google, like anytime anything happens, I'm like, oh God, what does that mean? Um, just simple things, like sometimes I'll feel a bit like crampy, almost like period cramps. And I'm like, oh no, what does that mean? And I look it up and it's completely normal. And then I'll look it up and find out it's normal and then about half an hour later I'll look it up and check different websites just in case they say it's not normal and then about an hour later I check it again and I'll just check the same thing five or six times before I'm like okay if everything says it's normal it's probably normal and I could stop stressing about it and then I'll check it again the next day because you never know <laughs> yeah I mean in this day and age anything can change in a matter of seconds so yeah for sure. excuse my voice crack I'm 13 again. No, you're fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. And one thing that's really helped with my anxiety is my dog, Nanny. Nanny. So I have a little Italian greyhound. I, I love Nanny. Who is... I know, I love her too. Um, so she's not just a pet. She's actually in training to become a psychiatric service dog. So it's something not a lot of people know about, but like when someone say is visually impaired, they'll get a seeing eye dog or a service dog. And you can actually get a service dog uh, for all sorts of physical disabilities, but also psychiatric disabilities. So as I was saying, like my anxiety is so bad, I really struggle with just ordering food at a restaurant or asking for medicine in a pharmacy. So it's impacting my day to day life. And when your issues are so bad that they're really impacting everything you do on a daily basis, it's considered a disability. And so Nanny's in training to be able to be a psychiatric service dog and come with me to the restaurant or the pharmacy so that she can help calm me down so I can actually talk like a yeah. human being. Um, and that's, that's really helped me. And she's really learned to um, react to whenever I feel anxious. So when I do start feeling anxious, she'll immediately come and climb onto my chest to calm my sympathetic nervous system down and that kind of stuff so a lot of the time when I'm filming she's just outside the door of the room I film in and she's just waiting to get to me because she can feel that I'm a bit stressed so she's just laying there and just waiting to be able to come and help me so that's that's been a huge help for me Gosh, Nani what a good girl she's the best she's the best girl have I showed you pictures of my family's new dog no. Hold on. Yes. <laughs> uh, his name is Gunner. He's a three-month-old French bulldog, and he is the cutest thing. 
in the world. Oh no, Poppy. He's like this big. He's like this big. Oh, Poppy. And he's oh, only no. going to get to be like that big. No, I mean, Nanny she is, is tiny. She looks she's so small. Yeah, she's only, she's about that thick. <laughs> so for, of course, this is an audio podcast and I'm showing things. For this audio only podcast, she is about the width of a human. Yeah, hand. just under, kind of basically the width of my palm and I'm a relatively small female. Um, so it's about, what is that, like 10 centimeters, whatever that is in inches. Y'all can go Google it. <laughs> There's like two and a half. There's, it's, uh, yeah, it's 2.5. Yeah, two and a half centimeters yeah. in an inch. Um, yeah, 2.54. And she's only about 40 centimeters long from like like her shoulders to her butt. So she's very small. She looks, she looks huge on she pictures. She bigger and than people she is. And they're like, oh my God, she's tiny. <laughs> she's very, very small. And it's because she's so skinny. That she looks so small because Italian greyhounds, being a greyhound dog, they're very, very small and thin and svelte. Because she only weighs about, I think she weighs like just under ten pounds. Um, she's tiny. Wow, she is small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gunner weighs probably about that much. Yeah, and he's like skinny for his. For his breed, because yeah, you know French buff. bulldogs are a little bit fatter. Yeah, but um, so cute. Hold on, let me see if I can yes. find a picture real quick. This is great for the listeners of this audio-only podcast where they can't see pictures well, of the dog. While you're looking for a picture, I can describe uh, Nanny for those who don't know what she looks like. Um, Go for it. So she's tan colored yeah. so kind of like a redhead and with white markings on her paws and her face um and that's that's it that's my dog <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm sending it to you now oh he's there so cute go. those big ears okay. he's got huge ears i know he looks like a he looks like a bat. He can catch the radio. <laughs> He's so cute. I know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, they really help with anxiety, too. So. Yeah, dogs are just the best. Honestly. Yeah. Like, my mom oh, is no. in Texas, and I don't. Like, we are two states apart. So, Aww. so I've asked her to start sending me daily gunner pictures. <laughs> so she sends uh, me and my stepsister Kayla a picture of Gunner every day or a video. Like she sent me a video like a few days ago of him. Like so we yeah. they have this this rubber pink oh, no. ball that's like this big. And he's <laughs> he's scared of the ball. So he's just he's just barking at the ball and it's Oh, it no. is the cutest Aww, thing ever. And he's like backing cute. away like he thinks it's going to attack him or I something. I know. Yeah. Well, we are reaching about the 30 minute mark. So I think that is a good place to wrap up. Uh, 
and for social media plugs. Uh, thank you for listening to True Stories of a Tryhard. You can find me on Instagram at ethan.t.hewlin and on Twitter at etphonehome. The O's are zeros and the E's are threes. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at True Stories Pod. Um, so uh, my YouTube channel is Jess. Story where can Diver. people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm at Story Diver on Twitter. I don't have a personal Twitter because I don't really use Twitter that much. And then my Instagram is Dive Jess. I think I might have to check that. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm pretty I'm really, sure it is. Considering I'm a millennial, I'm really bad at social media. Yes, I am Dive Jess on Instagram. Oh, it's fine. Like, I, uh... I... Okay, cool. Alright. I'll be back with more stories next week. So until then, this is Ethan Hewlin, signing off.